0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Podcast and powered by 91N. You're listening to Season 4, Episode 10 of Full Time. I'm your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gatano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of full-time occur weekly or bi-weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you back to full-time. We have yet uh, another wonderful opportunity to talk about the beautiful game. G, my friend, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Scarps. How are you doing tonight?
0: I- I'm doing very well, for sure. I was a little bit upset that we couldn't go and play futsal last night like we typically do on Wednesdays, but beyond that, I'm uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, sir. In today's show, we will discuss managerial departures in the world of football, how the January transfer window finished up, Europe's Big Five, and the FA Cup. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at full-time on the Game Sports Podcast and 91N. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We get today's show rolling by talking about the carousel of managers happening in the world of football. Gaetano, there has been so much news uh, over the past 14 days or so regarding managers and coaches in the world of football let's get the conversation started as to why so many things in this aspect of football have occurred at one specific time gee gee why do you why do you personally think that all of these announcements have come out at the same time roughly
1: i honestly have no idea and they picked such a weird time too like the middle of the january transfer window like so now you know if a player might have been interested in signing for you, maybe he's like oh i don't know who the manager is going to be next summer like maybe i'm not going to sign like I, I think just the timing of the announcements has been weird. And the fact that they all came at the same time is just super, super weird.
0: Yeah, it just, it seemed like it was one after another, even like a few things with uh, Stephen Jarrett announcing that he was staying out in, in Saudi and hiring some new staff members. Like everything just seemed to happen at once. And I don't, I don't, in my memory anyways, I don't remember a time it was ever like that when it was just managerial announcement after managerial announcement, but nevertheless, here we are. And uh, the biggest of all of that managerial news is that Jurgen Klopp um, has made the public announcement that he will be leaving Liverpool Football Club at the end of this season, marking an end to his nine-year stint at the club. Catano, regardless of uh, our feelings towards Liverpool Football Club, uh, we have to pay respect to them as one of the biggest clubs in England and uh, one of the biggest in, the, in world football for all of that, uh, for that matter. Um, Klopp will leave the club as a legend, having transformed Liverpool Football Club, in, uh, in his words, turning doubters into believers. Liverpool is still in the running for the Carabao Cup this season. They are top of the Premier League. They are still in the FA Cup and they are still in the Europa League. Amongst Jurgen Klopp's biggest achievements whilst at Liverpool, he has won the Premier League, the Champions League, the FIFA Club World Cup, the UEFA Super Cup, the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup and the Community Shield. Catano, the news uh, took the world of football by storm, and it was a shock surprise to hear that Jurgen Klopp uh, himself, having been the main figurehead at Liverpool for nearly the past decade, is uh, basically on his way out the door uh, of his own choosing, of course. First, G, just your thoughts on what he's accomplished so far during his time at the club.
1: You know, it's really weird to, like, look at any managers from kind of the last seven, eight years, and I don't, I don't mean to sound like... A bit of a dick when I say this, but Peps won so much that like com- when you compare the number, like there just hasn't been a lot of trophies for other managers in England to win. Right. Um, but when you look outside of city, like I think they've probably had the best um the best return of trophies uh, easily. Premier League, like you 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 just rhyme them all off. but they've won they won basically everything they could have won in that time period. Um, and the style in which they did it was terrible. like, those seventeen, eighteen to like nineteen, twenty. Those City Liverpool games were the bane of my existence. Those were the hardest ninety minutes of my life every season. Uh, playing them in the Champions League was awful. Like they were just, they were so good. They were so good. And like, I'm glad that, I'm glad that he's leaving because now I can look back on those times. He's like, man, like that was fun while it lasted. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Because he was he. There was something about him. Uh, as a manager as a person he just got that Liverpool team playing so so well and it just it worked perfectly against City all the time I think yeah I think when you know in 10 years 15 years when you look back at Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool massive success absolutely
0: yeah I fully agree with everything that you said and I can only imagine you as a City fan you would have some uh real very, some very difficult afternoons we'll put it that way and uh yeah, I mean, he had a connection with the he still has a connection with the fans and obviously the football that he's played. But sometimes people just have this certain, you know, personality trait about them. And Klopp certainly has that. And I've always thought down the years, do I agree with everything that he says? No. Do I like a lot of what he says? Yes. Would I have ever taken him at my club? For sure I would have, because I love his energy. I love the way he manages. He loves the sport. And he said to himself, I've poured everything that I've had into this, and therefore I need some time off. So you know, he, he might be getting back involved in football, but he's pretty adamant that he's going to take at least one year off. And probably the most important, Gaetano, it's uh, all about what he's leaving behind. When someone like Klopp uh, leaves a club uh, such as Liverpool, after having made such an indelible impact, to your point, it, is, it does take uh, someone, and in many cases, uh, many people, uh, a lot of time to fill in those gaps. And uh, I've seen it at Arsenal after Wenger left, and uh, I could tell the I could tell the tale because I've lived it myself. But what will Liverpool Football Club look like in the seasons to come now that Klopp won't be in the dugout because that whole staff is leaving? There's people in the footballing departments that are leaving. It's going to look a lot different there.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think there's well, there there is a kind of clear cut uh, replacement, uh, and that's Chabi Alonso. I personally don't think he's going to end up there. I think he's got Real Madrid li- written all over him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's weird because the the squad is kind of aging out too. So it's almost going to look like um, kind of similar to what Arsenal has been doing, where you are getting a new manager and you're shifting out kind of the old guard. Obviously, like guys like Van Dijk, Salah, you know, Allison. like there's still, they have years left in them. But, you know, is the, is a new manager coming in going to kind of build them into their long-term plans? Or is it just going to be, you know, do we sign, you know, a new winger, maybe 18, 19, to kind of transition out of Salah, do you you know replace certain guys like Van Dijk? Do you get another younger center back to eventually take his spot? I think it's going to look a little weird. I don't think, I don't think they're going to be. They're not going to fall off the way United did when when Fergie left, where it was you know, seventh. I think it was seventh or eighth the the immediate season, and then kind of just middling there ever since. I don't think it'll be that bad. Um, I just think their squads just significantly better than United United's was at that time. But yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be weird. I I don't know who's going to come in. Um, there are some high profile managers available and we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, at, at the moment, I don't really have a, like, there's not like a guaranteed guy. Like Gerard just signed his new extension in Saudi Arabia. So like, I don't think he'll be there. It's going to be an uh, interesting one. It definitely
0: is. And uh, the complexion of Liverpool Football Club, it'll
1: take some getting used to. Similar to when
0: uh, Wenger left Arsenal. And that's, I mean, I'm just speaking to that as an Arsenal fan. Just that first season, I just thought to myself, I don't know, it's just something doesn't feel right. And I actually like doing I Amory. It didn't work out. We've talked about this a thousand times before. But yeah, it's definitely gonna be different at Liverpool Football Club. But I think what's different there to your point is that there's pieces. Even that young boy, Connor Bradley, I think.
1: Yes, uh, the the fullback, yes.
0: Yeah, like he's uh, he's come in and hit the ground running. Like they've got some pieces there. I think Kanate's, you know, gonna be fantastic, obviously. So there's pieces there that they could work with, whoever the next manager is. They definitely won't be left for dead. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's It'll be just so different to not see Klopp in the dugout. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it is what it is. It's football. It's life. Everyone has to move on at some point. But there is another manager in the world of football who will be leaving his post at the end of the season. And that one's out in Spain. It's Barcelona manager Xavi stating that he, too, will leave his club at the end of the season. Guitano Xavi has managed uh, to win La Liga and really get Barcelona back on track for the most part. Um, but he expressed to the media that his departure comes on the back of uh, the pure difficulty of managing a club such as Barcelona. Gee, let's uh, unpack that a little bit and get to the root of what he means when he says that. The floor is yours.
1: I think it's kind of like there's there's kind of a couple prongs on this one. It's not just like one specific thing. I think, first of all, just it's the fact that they are Barcelona. The expectation, you know, globally from them is just so high, you know they are and have been kind of the face of world football or one of the major ones for as long as, you know, we've been alive. Um, and so yeah, that comes with massive expectation. And when, you know, they've had good seasons under Shabby, but like the expectation is still kind of the, the messy era of just domination. And that's just not the case anymore. So that's tough. Uh, financially, Barcelona are in just one of the worst positions in any of any club in, in the world. Um, which doesn't help when you're trying to maintain that level of success, Um, you know, not being able to spend or having very limited spending power. Um, You know, they've had to rely on a lot of free transfers recently, Um, you know, not being able to sign like to register players that they've signed. So that obviously is not a great situation to be working in. If uh, you know, you're wanting to bring in players to be competitive and you can't. Um, And then I think just his personal connection to the club as well. Like he is a legend an icon there. One of their greatest ever players. And it's almost, you know, it's the same way I look at, like, Vincent Company. I, I don't, I wouldn't mind if he managed City, but if if it's not as good as his playing career, it's just almost, like, tainted a little bit.
0: Right.
1: And so, like, it's just one of those things where I think it's, you know, he he's done a good job. He kind of, we've talked about, he's kind of righted the ship, turned them around, got them back to being, you know, somewhat competitive, uh, you know, well, competitive in Spain, somewhat competitive in Europe. I think it's just. Better to kind of take this kind of small victory. You know, he did his job well and then kind of leave on his own terms rather than kind of sticking around for it to I don't not that it'll inevitably go wrong, but I the way the Barcelona board works, like more than likely he would have ended up getting sacked probably next season anyways. So I think it's just kind of better for everyone in this case,
0: yeah, and I, and I can't exactly recall which manager it was if it was Fergie or Klopp or whoever. Said it's better to leave one year earlier than one year too late, yeah. And uh, you know, it's one of those things too, is Javi, that you see what's on the surface, you see what's presented to you in the public or in social media or whatever, but behind the scenes, God knows what's happening. And you alluded to so many great points there with financial stuff and bringing players in and these types of things, but uh, to manage a club such as that, it's got to be so difficult. So, I do understand the departure. And with his departure, Gatano at the end of this season, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Barcelona. But what do you think for uh, Xabi's future in management? What do you think that that's going to look like for him?
1: Um, Club wise, not one hundred percent sure yet. Um, I would like I probably closer to the end of the season when uh, you know there's kind of more openings. But I think he's done a really good job of like putting himself in the kind of in the window of I'm going to be a good manager you know, he's tactically sound financially, decently responsible. He couldn't really spend a ton at Barcelona and did manage to bring in some good players. So I definitely think he did, He put his best foot forward in that case. Um, I don't think, uh, many like outside of like the top, top, top clubs. Um, and that's mostly because most of them have managers at this point. Uh, I don't think anyone could really go wrong with hiring him at this point.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, for me personally, I, I could see him kind of wanting to hang around Spain. I think that's kind of maybe ob- obviously his bread and butter. It's what he's most comfortable yeah. with. But I mean, he's still a young manager, so who knows where he might venture out to in the future? And I think uh, I would say sky's the limit because I mean he, he's proven himself to be a good manager, as, as you just said. But I think that uh, I think he has a lot of room to to really showcase his talents as the years go on. And I think that he does have a promising managerial career ahead. It to other managers uh, who have gone up and down the world of football and uh, certainly have made uh, themselves uh, good managers over many, many years. And um, that's because, obviously, the titles that they've won, the accolades that they hold, the football that they play, and the impact that they've had. And, of course, we're talking about Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho. They're often put in the same roundtable discussions for their managerial excellence. Both men are currently not in a managerial position but they are tipped to some big jobs in the world of football. Catano, the ultimate question is, which clubs will these men end up at and why?
1: Um, so you're gonna start with Mourinho, because I got I got there's two that like come to mind immediately. The first one, Chelsea. I think Poch is gone in the summer, and I think that, you know, is it what? Is it his third time at Chelsea? Number three. I I, I it just there's just something in I'm just picking up a vibe. I think I think it'd be hilarious because it's going to end the exact same way as the, the previous two times did, but just for the pure box office, I absolutely uh, would love to see that. The other thing I've kind of heard him linked with is not actually a club, but the Portuguese national team. Mm. Um, you know, I don't hate it. Uh, he's I've never seen him manage at international level. I don't think he ever has that I can think of. Me neither. Um, Oh yeah, I think that would be interesting. They've got a pretty decent crop of players, uh, you know, some veterans, some young kids. So I think it would be uh, interesting with uh, European Championships and World Cups coming up soon.
0: Definitely. And uh, in the case of Conte, do you have any ideas or any sort of inclination as to where you think that he might go?
1: I think he'll stay in Italy. I, I don't see him like leaving there Um But I think that it's also going to kind of be one of those things that at the end of the season, as managers kind of either leave or get sacked, what jobs are available. Um, But yeah, he's got Serie A written all over him.
0: Yeah, and I've seen some reports about possibly AC Milan. I don't know how how true that is. I mean, he's been around Italy, that's for sure. And uh, I also think that Conte will stay there. In the case of Mourinho, I don't know where he's going to go, but I do want him to go back to Chelsea almost just for the storyline. Like, I mean, it'll suck because Arsenal will never beat them. <laughs> it, uh, it definitely would make for some.
1: Uh, you'll just have to wait till the third season, then it'll be fine.
0: Then it'll be A-OK. <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, it's like you look at it, and yes, he, you could make an argument that he has unfinished business at Chelsea, but how do you have unfinished business when you've already been there twice? And I think he's won, what, three Premier Leagues while Steve was there?
1: Yep. Yeah, um one just about everything while he was there, outside of like a Champions League, I think. Like,
0: Yeah, and maybe that's the unfinished business. But at the end of the day, too, I think, I mean, I don't know what's happening with the financial fair play stuff. We're going to talk about that in the transfer window discussions here in a minute. But I don't know if Chelsea is going to be in any trouble moving forward because they spent a ridiculous amount of money. So, I mean, Mourinho is a very intelligent human being, and I'm thinking that he's going to make a wise choice. But who knows, there could be something off the grid that uh, like a national team or something like this that we might not expect. But we will uh, we will definitely keep a, a close eye on that. From management to players, it's time to discuss the January transfer window. More specifically, we will discuss how the January transfer window finished up. Katana, before we get into uh, the bigger deals that have come across the world of football, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this window because as we are going to discuss, this uh, this transfer window was very unlike the windows that we've seen in the past.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't want to say like, shocked, but uh, definitely surprised at how little was spent. Um... And little is a relative term. It's still probably in the hundreds of hundreds of millions. I assume you've got the uh, the final tally there. But uh, just, yeah, like you said, compared to the previous couple windows we've seen, uh, definitely a quieter, um, more strategic window than just the typical uh, splashing of cash.
0: Definitely, and uh, to some of those points that you just mentioned, it was a cautious approach. That was uh, taken by clubs in the world of football this uh, January transfer window. So very different as to what we're used to. Is uh, this a trend, G, that you foresee happening moving forward? Or are clubs going to eventually, like you said, splash the cash like we've uh, been accustomed to seeing over the past years?
1: Uh, I think just with FFP right now and just, uh, you know, there's a couple of the major spenders kind of in hot water uh, that can't spend. Uh, so I think maybe the next couple will be a little more tame, but like once they kind of get cause it works in like three year periods. So kind of once they kind of free themselves up from the current kind of period, then I expect to see uh, some money flying around again.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. It probably is only a matter of time. But for this uh, for this moment in time, I think, uh, you know, most clubs are just kind of taking a knee on it, if you will. So what we're going to do now here, folks, is we are going to highlight some of the transfers for you. And uh, this is going to be the final time that we do it, as the transfer window has concluded. The following transfer information comes from the Guardian. First, it's Sacha Bowie, who goes from Galatasaray to Bayern Munich for $25.6 million. The attacking right back signs the deal until June 2028 after Bayern and their proposed interest in Kieran Trippier. Jay, maybe a bit of a second choice for Bayern, but did they land a good one here?
1: Uh, I really like this move. Um, Not that Trippier would have been a bad move for them, but I think bringing someone younger probably costs a little less than Trippier would have. Um, I think just kind of works out better for them. Uh, It looks like he's a good young player. And then uh, for Galatasaray as well, turning a nice profit on him after only a couple of years. I think it's kind of great business all around.
0: Yeah, and I think that type of profile really suits the likes of uh, of Munich really well, and I think that he's gonna I think he's gonna come good, especially that contract being signed for, you know, uh, about four years there. I think uh, I think this is gonna be a good one for them. Next we see Renan Lodi, who goes from Marseille to Al Hilal for 19.8 million. Marseille accept the big money offer for former Nottingham Forest and Atletico Madrid defender. Who was first the left? Uh, who was first choice? Excuse me, left back this past season. Gattano, it's a move out to Saudi Arabia for Lodi. Your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I think this is probably his final kind of uh, you know big contract in in I in like your well not European football but just in football in general. So I can't really argue with them uh, for wanting to go and kind of get that money out there. You know, Marseille get a good chunk of money back for him. I think it's kind of uh, everyone's happy here.
0: Yeah, it seems to be a win-win, and uh, I'm on the same page as you there. Arthur Vermeeren leaves Royal Antwerp for Atletico Madrid for $18.8 million. Atletico swoop in to sign the teenager who is on many Premier League clubs' radars, paying a $22 million fee with a $5 million fee in add-ons. Catano, uh, what does this signing mean, and uh, what do you think that this is going to do for Atletico?
1: Not actually a big fan of this signing. Um, They just don't play a very attacking style of football and it just kind of stifles those like creative young creative players we've seen it with xiao felix obviously the money is totally different in these two cases um you know definitely less of a, a gamble uh with this one but yeah i just think if you're kind of a young attacking player atletico madrid is not the kind of place to play but uh you know i i would be happily be i'd happily be proven wrong here and he like kind of turns out good but yeah initially not a big fan
0: yeah, and, and I can totally understand that because it's it's that old phrase, right? Horses for courses. And, uh, you know, if you're that type of player, you probably want to go to a, a place that has maybe a more exciting brand of football. But who's to know? I mean, in the world of football, things can get uh, pretty funny. And then maybe Atletico Madrid all of a sudden get a new manager, change their style. I don't per- personally foresee it, but anything can happen. So we'll see what happens there. But he definitely has a, a bright future ahead of him being so young. Next, it's Adam Wharton who goes from Blackburn Rovers to Crystal Palace for 18.5 million. Palace finally land their man for a fee that could rise to 22 million. To play for such a big club like Crystal Palace is a great honor, says Wharton. Getano, uh, Palace get a piece to bolster their lineup after what seems like forever. Uh, your analysis here.
1: Yeah, we kind of uh, gave them some stick over the summer for not really doing a lot of uh, doing a lot of business. So I like this one for them. Uh, I love it for Blackburn as well. Getting a lot of money for uh, you know a team not in the Premier League, uh, that's going to be super useful for them for their push uh, for promotion. So yeah, I think this is just kind of win-win for everyone here.
0: Yeah, I think win-win's the right way to put it. And we just talked about it too, uh, both the second-to-last signing with uh, Ren and Lodi. So yeah, I think that this this bodes well for bodes well for Warden for Blackburn for Crystal Palace. I think it's it's good all the way around. And Gabrielle Moscardo goes from Corinthians to PSG for $17.1 million. PSG sealed the move for the defensive midfielder who has signed a four and a half year deal. Gatano, what do you make of this signing?
1: Uh, I think this, uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, he's really only been involved in this, uh, the first team for Corinthians for about six months. So uh, not a lot on file for him in terms of you know minutes played at a high level. But uh, definitely a high ceiling for him. Not a terrible fee that PSG's paid for him. So uh, a lot of potential for this to be a very good transfer.
0: Yeah, and I think it was, and it was you who said. Uh, I, I mean, this is months ago now. PSG's always been missing that, that sort of player, you know, that that holding midfield type player, and these sorts of things. I just got to be honest. I don't know if it's going to be him. I, I think that they probably would have been better off going for somebody who had a little bit more experience, maybe somebody who was a little bit more proven. I, I like. To your point of, uh, earlier about uh, Vermeer, and I hope to be proved wrong on this one, but I actually think that they probably could have got something a little bit more stable in there. But who knows? Maybe he will come good. But it's definitely a position that was probably needed uh, with PSG. And Gaetano, we did not cover every single transfer, of course, that has taken place here uh, in the window, especially as of late. But uh, do we leave any out uh, that have caught that have caught your attention personally?
1: Um, so there's a couple I'm looking at here. I like Bournemouth picking up uh, Enes Unal out of Getafe. He's scored a pretty decent uh, rate in Spain. I think that might uh, be a big signing for them. And then the other one I know you've mentioned, I'm pretty sure you want to talk about is uh, Benrama out of West Ham to, where is he? To Lyon. I think they've had a actually kind of decent window Um, and that's a really, uh, it could be a really big ad for them.
0: I think so. And yeah, that was the one that I was going to bring up uh, Benrama. I, I, I mean, he's, he's one of them players at West Ham who, if he wasn't starting, he's come off the bench. He's just that impact guy. So, I mean, uh, West Ham, uh, you know, they, they've obviously done some decent business this window, but I think that that's actually one that kind of caught my attention and was a little bit out of the blue. But sometimes if you're going to have an incoming, you have to have an outgoing, don't you? So, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, gee, this transfer window was, as we talked about time and time again, it wasn't the typical window for what we're accustomed to seeing, especially um, at our age and, uh, you know being sort of in that 30-year-old bracket where we've basically just ex- seen exciting windows down the past probably, what, 10 years, give or take, even more maybe. That being said, what would you rate this uh, transfer window out of 10, my friend?
1: So as like, like analytically, probably like a seven or eight, I thought teams were smart with their business. As a fan of the chaos, it was like a three or four. Like there was just no no big moves. There was no like deadline day, like is it going to happen moves. But yeah, I think, yeah, as a fan, three or four analytically, probably a six or seven.
0: Right. And uh, I've, I've only gone for it. Well, I've, I mean, I guess you can call it a hybrid, but I've given it a, a bang average five. Yeah. And it'd be a little bit politically correct to say that. But like you said, analytically, it makes a lot of sense as to why teams have done this. But there was nothing that completely got us out of our seats. Um, but I do appreciate the cautious and more methodical approach. It gave it I'm not going to call it a a more fun because it wasn't fun, but it gave it a newer layer of complexity for us to look at, which I did enjoy. And um, you said it a couple of shows ago that it's nice to see that not everyone's just being reckless and actually having to think about the signings that they make. So I'll give it a bang, average five. And uh, with it being a bit of an interesting uh, window here, Gene, would you say, or who would you say, I I should rather say, um, who would you say won this transfer window with the business that they did?
1: Uh, so i'm actually going to go to germany and say that Borussia dortmund had probably the best uh why did you have them too
0: they got two winners and they're one of them
1: <laughs> um just the fact so they brought in Jaden sancho and ian mattson both on loan yep. um you know we've talked about i think it was well, i don't know if it was last episode or the episode before um with sancho going back to Dortmund. you know you get 90 million pounds for him and 18 months later you get him back on loan um he's hit the ground running there been phenomenal almost like he never left so, you know that's awesome. And then Ian Matson's been pretty uh, good for them as well. And kind of with the loan moves, if it doesn't turn out great, they don't really have that like long term impact on the club. So yeah, I definitely have them as my winners.
0: Definitely. And uh, they're one of my winners and kind of on par with them, I also put PSG. And the reason for that is because I think that, like you said, both of them have brought in some key pieces and they've added some uh, players to very important areas that they that they probably needed. And I think that that bodes well for them moving forward. And both are still inv- involved in various competitions. So I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing for both of them. And G, we will have to talk about the losers of this transfer window, who this window missed out on some of their uh, business that they would have liked to have gotten done.
1: I, I don't want to do this to you, but I think Arsenal needed, they needed more goals. They needed something. Um, I don't think the $100 million that they were being quoted uh, for for Ivan Tony was realistic. And I don't think he's, particularly the solution to that problem anyways. But um, Gabriel Jesus just hasn't really been on form this season. Um, you know, you, you don't want to really ho- rely on Eddie and Ketia. Uh, he just hasn't proven himself at this level yet. I think they just needed more goals and they didn't get them. But like, it's tough to call them losers because they also didn't like spend recklessly just yeah. to get goals for the sake of it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't just go and spend 100 million on uh, Tony just to be like, hey, we we brought in a striker. Like, so it's it's hard to call them losers, but I think they ultimately didn't get what they needed to kind of continue this push and like take the push to the next level.
0: Yeah, and I also have to take a humble approach because I'm going to put Arsenal as one of my losers. And you know, to your point about Jesus, sometimes it's not even about his production; it's about just keeping him fit because he's yeah. sometimes not available. And you know, what what is that quote? The best ability is availability. Yeah. You know. So, uh, if goals are going to come, sometimes you're thinking in a game, oh, well, they're going to have to come from midfield. Great performance against Liverpool the other day, though, I have to say that. Um, but they, they did need, by the looks of it, a striker, Arsenal did, and uh, probably another piece to help with kind of the injury crisis at holding midfield, because Thomas Park, they cannot get fit. Um, regardless, uh, we're going to see what happens. I do hope obviously the best for Arsenal, but they probably did need another piece to, to score uh, you know, another 10-15 goals. And next, I'm actually going to go, and I think some people are going to disagree with me here, but I'm going to say Liverpool. And I say that purely just because of the Klopp announcement and not actually bringing anybody in um and then if you take a look at you know maybe some of the departures departures excuse me that are imminent in the future maybe the likes of Salah and others there's whispers that they might leave uh, sooner rather than later like not this season obviously but um those are going to be my two arsenal and liverpool and i'm also going to go kind of off the grid uh, for this one and uh, i only it only kind of dawned on me the other day there was a ton of movement out in saudi arabia in the summer and the last window as well and this one we basically heard about nothing apart from like a couple. So I feel like that needs to be mentioned as well. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
1: I mean, they also had some departures as well. So Jordan Henderson's gone. Uh, There were rumors that Benzema was leaving obviously didn't happen, but um, this is something I was discussing with uh, a friend the other day. Um, This feels very much like the Chinese super league back in like 2013, 2015, where they come in guns blazing, you know, 50 million here, 60 million there, 70 million there. You know, we're going to we're going to change the landscape of football. We're going to, you know, we're going to be the next superpower. And then it just kind of dissolves, yeah. you know, and I, for the sake of football, I don't want it to. You know, I think the more you know elite leagues there are around the world, the better for everyone. But, yeah, it's just starting to kind of feel a bit like the Chinese Super League.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Um, it was something that we didn't mention in the transfers too. Uh, Jesse Lingard, I think, just signed in Japan, did he?
1: Did he actually?
0: I, I mean, think I to... might have to be fact checked on that one. I could have sworn I saw something this morning. I was uh, I was at the gym. I was doing a bit of cardio, and I was looking on my phone. I, I could have sworn I come across an article that said Jesse Lingard to Japan. Didn't I actually there, but saw a headline.
1: So I'm looking on foot mob and they don't have him. They still have him listed as a free agent. So, but the thing is you can sign free agents outside of the window. So he might still be in negotiations or like be trying to, but yeah, as, as of recording at 7:53 PM on February 8th, he is still a free agent.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to have to see in the next episode of full time, if we can update our listeners. Cause like I said, I saw, I saw an article headline now. It could have been fake news for sure, but, uh, so, so I don't know if it was to, to China or to Japan, but it was, it was somewhere for sure. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on that one. And uh, Gattano, sometimes we do have clubs uh, who quietly do good business without being too loud about it. Uh, who this window quietly did good business for you?
1: Um, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. And I think City uh, moving on Cal- Calvin Phillips was quietly really good business. Um, it, like we've talked about a couple of times, it just never worked out. You know, he's out at West Ham now on loan. They recouped a little bit of fee for him. Uh, it's not a permanent thing, but uh, I just think, yeah, to for, for his sake, he didn't need to be just rotting on City's bank. She can be playing some football. Um, City didn't really need to bring in a replacement. Um, you know, there was no panic to, like, panic buying, uh, you know, with guys like Kovacic, Demetrius, uh, Nunez kind of still available, and obviously Rodri. Um, so I thought that was, like, it's, like, kind of – they had a quiet window. They didn't do any bad business. I like that. Um and then, really, not that Bayern Munich's window was quiet. They did have uh, a couple of big signings, but they just kind of there. It wasn't like long stretches of like, are they, aren't they going to sign them? Other than the Trippier um, kind of saga. So I and I just really liked all their business. I thought it was really good.
0: Yeah, those are those are two really good shouts, and I agree with those. And uh, I hate to say it, but like on full time, we have to. Uh, we always have to be honest. Um, I, I'm first going to give it to Tottenham, if you could believe that. And I was actually saying. Uh, in our preview show of the um, of the transfer and who's going to miss out on their targets and I thought it would be them but they quietly snuck in some signings which is uh, going to help their injury riddled lineup so uh, Spurs are gonna get a rare positive shout from me uh, probably the only time that's ever gonna happen on our trip <laughs> um, and second I'm actually going to say Brentford uh, because at this moment in time they are in a bit of a relegation scrap we'll talk about that a little bit later um, and even though we probably both believe that they won't get relegated. They held on to Ivan Tony, And I thought that, that was when Thomas Frank came out with that quote, "Tony will not be leaving. I said, yeah, okay, Arsenal aren't going to get him and that no one's getting him. So uh, they were also able to sign two key players in the window to help uh, the youthfulness of the squad. So I actually think that Brentford are uh, one of the, the quiet winners in this one as well. And with that, that does bring us to the end of the transfer window for January 2024. The total amount spent this window, in the world of soccer was in the ballpark of 800 million as per reports via the athletic and the guardian it states that uh, it was around that 800 million mark comparing that to last season where by the time the add-ons and everything else were accumulated accounted for and tabulated there was over 1.6 billion spent so a much more cautious and careful approach to transfer window where the spending was cut by more than half Gee, another transfer window comes and goes. Overall, were you happy with what you saw in the transfer market, given that there wasn't a, a reckless nature to the spending this time around?
1: I would say, like, overall, yeah. I, I wish there would have been kind of one kind of marquee signing uh, for this window, because, you know, I can think back to, like, a bunch of windows where there's always, like, there's the Alexis Sanchez to, to yep. United, like, window. Like, you can just kind of, like, there's, like, names and certain transfers that, like, stick to windows. There just really wasn't one for this uh, this transfer window. But other than that, I think it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, and you know what, the one that always sticks in my mind, again, bias, but I like that Wenger, uh, Arsene Wenger interview, you know, are you going to be signing anybody? Yeah, well, we might have an announcement tomorrow, <laughs> and those will come through the door, never forget that one. Yep. Uh, as always, though, it was a pleasure, regardless of uh, this being a very different window, it was a pleasure to cover the tr- uh, January transfer window here on full-time, and whilst we don't want to wish time away here, and we don't do that at full-time, we definitely look forward to the next transfer window come the summer. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gatino Gallo and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault St. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Let's jump on over to Europe's Big Five and we will get the conversation started with the English Premier League. Liverpool sit atop of the division with 51 points. Behind them is Manchester City with 49 points, but... Man City have a game in hand, which if they make good on, they could go top of the league. Arsenal is in third with 49 points of their own. Aston Villa round out the top four with 46 points. Such a fresh thing to say all the time that we've got a new team in that top four mix. Spurs are looking up in fifth position with 44 points. Gatano, can we officially say that the title race is good and well on?
1: Oh, like we like we are in for a title race here. And like I I, I hate to, to be that City guy. But like it's in our hands now. Right. And like it's very few times under Pep has it been in our hands and we've not won it. Actually, I think the times would be zero. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm confident we got a good, uh, we got, like the squad's pretty much, I think, at this point healthy, other than like a couple little niggling injuries. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, a fully healthy city, a f- almost fully healthy Arsenal, and almost fully healthy Liverpool and this Villa side going, you know, toe to toe toe to toe to toe to toe for the Premier League title, I think we are in for a phenomenal title race.
0: Yeah, and, and I know this, is, this might be a bit of a cop-out answer because, I mean, everybody says it every season and it's absolutely true. Like, you know, you got to keep your best players fit. You got to keep your squad healthy. But I do think just for how tight it is right now with, uh, about what, 15 games left to go, give or take, I honestly think whichever team can keep their, their squad the healthiest probably has the best, I'm not to say that they're going to win it, but they have the best chance to win it. Like, I know, again, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but Arsenal have got a few pieces missing. But if they can get those guys back, they have a better chance to challenge. Liverpool, if somebody ends up, you know, picking up an injury or, like, the Salah thing right now, who knows how yeah. fit he is, you know, could they end up dipping? If City keep all their guys fit, are they going to rise? Like, there, there's lots of things to be said about that, in my opinion, right now. But what we could say with the top five right now, we have to include Spurs in there. Do you think Do that these we,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but i mean you know what knowing, knowing me man i'll say no and then it'll come back to bite me and then I'll <laughs> drop into fifth or something I have to keep them in there but those five teams by the end of the season do you think that they're all still going to be there but maybe just in a different order
1: yeah i think yeah i think the top five teams will be those five teams not in that order i i just don't think united have enough to challenge uh, in there um Brighton's been a little disappointing uh, for me. Newcastle haven't been quite there. West Ham, I don't think have enough to get in there. So yeah, I think barring some sort of Miracle 15 game run by one of those teams, yeah, I think that top five is pretty much sealed.
0: Yeah, here February the 8th, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to say it those top five teams are going to be the top five, but like you said, in, in a different order. And what that order is, I couldn't tell you right now, even if I had any sort of inclination, I have no idea. I'm really not that smart. But uh, I think I will say it right now, that top five is going to stay that top five. And taking a brief look at the relegation battle, there has been a change after many, many weeks. Sheffield do remain bottom with just 10 points. Burnley is just three points better than them in 19th place. But it is now Everton who have slipped into the bottom three with 19 points of their own. Town is just barely out of the relegation zone with 20 points, but they have gotten out of there for what seems to be the first time this season. Uh, Nottingham Forest is 16th with 21 points. It's Brentford and 15th with 22 points. Catano, I, I think it's probably reasonable to say that Sheffield United and-, and Burnley are destined for relegation to the championship. But that final spot in the relegation zone is kind of up for grabs. And understandably, none of the aforementioned teams want to be in there. But what could you say for the bottom of the table right now, G, because um, I mean, a few other teams have been pulled into this conversation.
1: Yeah. I I really thought Everton kind of had turned their season around, even with the points deductions were kind of climbing out of the, uh, out of danger nicely, but they've kind of slipped back in. Um, There's enough in that squad that they should be able to get out of this. It might not be pretty how they get there, but like they should have enough to get out. Um, Forest are kind of like I'm on the fence with them because sometimes I watch them like oh like I get it they're brilliant and they just kind of don't get the results and then sometimes they are just like worse than some of the teams we play against in our men's leagues like there's kind of no middle ground with them and uh, unfortunately for them they're kind of on a bit of a bad slide right now but uh, I I still can't see Luton staying up I just I, as much as I would love it for the story and like it'd be great for them um I just I still don't see it
0: yeah. And, you know, I mean, we both predicted it at the beginning of the season with our relegation picks that we both thought they were going straight back down. I would love for them to stay, do some stadium re- renovations and, you know, really be there. They're just about. I-, I still don't see it happening. But again, the world of football so interesting, so funny. To your point about Nottingham Forest, Arsenal played them a couple weeks back and that was an absolute scare, like a 2-1 game. Yeah. And I mean, Arsenal had like 81% possession of the ball, but Forest were solid. Like we had a very difficult time breaking them down. So. Sometimes their football is really good, even though it's like defensive and these types of things. But, you know, when they beat United, they caught them out on a couple of counters. Like they were really solid. So Forrest, I'm gonna s I'm going to, I don't know. It's going to be tough to say. I think that there'll be a, probably a bit of trading off in that 19th spot. But Burnley and, um, and Sheffield, you know, just like I said, the top five wouldn't change in my opinion. I think both of those are going down. You think so too?
1: Uh, yeah, I just, you know, like I said about those kind of the, Outside of the top five teams, unless there's a miracle run from either like Sheffield, Burnley or Luton, I think, yeah, they're they're destined to go back down.
0: Yeah, and that's just kind of the way it is in football. But in the case of Burnley, at least, I think that they'll probably shoot right back up. So,
1: yeah. Uh, or, you know, even if they don't come right back up, like they'll do the the right business that will get them up properly.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So keep a close eye on the relegation battle, uh, especially with that kind of sort of 19 um, 18th, excuse me, final spot. In Italy City, A, Inter have shot right back up to the top of the division, having won four out of their last five. They currently have 57 points. In second is Juventus with 53 points, and they are winless in their last two games. Milan are solid in third with 49 points. And it's Atalanta, Roma, and Bologna all currently vying for the fourth and final Champions League position. Catano, Inter are really strutting their stuff in Italy at this moment in time. What uh, what can be said for Italy's top flight right now, G?
1: Yeah, Inter are looking really, really, really good. Um, just, they always have. Like, they've always been, like, a solid team. Um, I think they really just kind of needed this run. Um, you know, beating Juve, uh, like pulling up the score here, yeah. Like, there's one nil. That's a huge, huge result. Put a lot of space between them now. Um, I think we have talked about it, la- I think it was last episode. Like, I think that title race is down to three now. It's Inter, Juve, and AC Milan. Um, that should be a really great title race. I also just like the race for the other European spots in Serie A. Some really fun teams in there. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, we talk about the Premier League being like, oh, like anyone can win it. Like, I look at that kind of four through eight in Serie A and it, it feels, I get the same vibe from that, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, and we talked about it actually last season with the Bundesliga, how you kind of had like half of the table competing. Yeah. In places it's, I mean, it's not the exact same, but kind of close, like with Italy. So it's awesome to see. and And, you know, a lot of times you see these sort of runaways in 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 the world of football, the likes of Bayern, PSG, these types of teams. It's nice to see that there's this sort of competitive nature uh, across world football this year uh, for the most part. So it's it's a welcome change for sure. In La Liga, Spain is heating up after 23 matches played. Real Madrid currently sit top with 58 points. Verona is second with 56 points. Barcelona is third with 50 points, and Atletico Madrid round out the top four with 48 points of their own. G, the top of the table uh, changes once again, and it's Real Madrid and Girona with one single game, uh, or are in rather within uh, one single game of each other. G, uh, please give us your analysis with 15 games left to go in this season for La Liga. Uh,
1: so they play each other next, by the way. If you didn't know that, that's yeah. the that's this. I think it's this weekend. I'm not sure if they've got a week off or what the thing, but their next game. Is against each other. And I think you're potentially looking at a title deciding game. Um, I'm super excited for it. I really hope her pull it off. Like, I it, it's nice. Like, when Leicester won the title uh, in what, 15, 16, it was? Yes. Like, not at the time, I wasn't overly happy with it because City had a pretty poor season. And, like, you know, you don't want to see other teams win your domestic league. Uh, but as a neutral, like, walking from afar, I am, I, I get it. I, I fully understand the Leicester hype. I hope that her pulled pull this off. Um, I still, I think they're going to, I just, there's just something, something in the water. I, I really like it. And I think, yeah, I don't think Barcelona or Atletico are going to come close at this point. I think it's down to those two and yeah, it's it's going to be so much fun.
0: Yeah. And I don't know, maybe by some divine miracle, Bellingham and Vinicius junior I'll have a nightmare game and <laughs> play for once or something and maybe they'll pull it off, you know? So I, I hope it happens, man. I really do. I think it would just be the coolest thing. I, I really do. The Bundesliga in Germany continues to entertain. Leverkusen remain unbeaten with 52 points. Bayern sit second with 50 points. Stuttgart is third with 40 points. Dortmund are climbing and currently have fourth position with 37 points. One point more than fifth place RB Leipzig. Gee, has this officially become a two-horse race in Germany's top flight?
1: Uh, yeah, it is officially a two-horse race, and guess who plays this weekend? Unbelievable, isn't it? As, you couldn't script it like this. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, Bayern and Leverkusen. Uh, like, how? Like, how? How does that work out? Football, man. Nothing like
0: Absolutely nothing like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think, again, we're looking at potentially a title-deciding game. Um, You know, two on the same weekend is just incredible. Um, And we haven't even got to League Liga yet um but yeah I think it's at this point a two-horse race I don't think like while we talked about Dortmund doing good business I don't think their business was good enough to challenge for the title but it should be good enough to at least push you know in their domestic cup and stay in a Champions League spot and yeah and the rest of kind of the European teams like or the European places like Leipzig's kind of got their got their shit together and they're kind of looking back to form so yeah um yeah I think it's it's a two-horse race and um do I think Leverkusen are gonna go undefeated still? No, I think there's there's a loss somewhere in there, whether it's this weekend to Bayern or not, but I still think they're gonna hold on and win the title.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's it's really not too bold of a show. I mean they've played fantastic all season and I'd love to see somebody new win uh, the Bundesliga. So yeah, I'm all in for that. I think that the race in Germany is gonna be unreal. He couldn't have scripted it any better. And all I know is that Sunday night, you know, as I'm you know, the Super Bowl is gonna be on, I'm gonna click <laughs> my phone looking at soccer, because, like, this weekend's going to be absolutely wild. So, you know, Taylor Swift and all that, I I couldn't be bothered, (laughs) to be honest.
1: Not a Swifty, no?
0: Well, you know what? Some of the tunes, they they got me going, but, uh, I mean, nothing gets me going like a little bit of a title race and footing. you know what I mean? (laughs) But speaking of the Super Bowl, I think the the halftime show Usher, and then apparently there's some two guest stars coming. I know it's not in our programming here on this show, but... (laughs) I feel like we should probably mention it for everyone because you know i was it's
1: it's one of those things like the super Bowl just kind of transcends everything for some reason it so does. i mean like you know it was inevitable that it would kind of seep its way into this
0: yes exactly and uh, all we can hope for is that like you know if somebody hit the sue celebration maybe after <laughs> something we'll take that i know i know the guys that uh 91, and they're going to end up watching this episode. They're going to think, like, what the hell are they doing? What's wrong
1: with you? This is why we don't get asked to feature on any of the football podcasts. We just have our own little corner here.
0: Anybody available to record this? us? Not Daniel and Gatan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's why we leave it unread.
0: <laughs> exactly. Finally, France's league stays more or less the same. PSG are top with 47 points. Eight points behind them is Nice in second. Brest third with 36 points. Lille Monaco and Lons continue to push for European places. Gatano, not too much to be said uh, from our last conversation for France's top flight, but is there anything out of the ordinary that we see here?
1: Um, not particularly. Uh, you know, even looking ev- like lower in the table, not just the European spots, looks pretty much as you'd expect outside of Lyon having uh, just an awful year. Hopefully their business that uh, we talked about a little earlier earlier will kind of give them a boost. They don't have a a chance at, you know, any sort of European football, but, uh, you know, on the off chance that it happens, it would be an absolute shame to see them get relegated.
0: Oh, I think so, too. And uh, they're a big club in France and I don't want to see that. And, yeah, I think, like you said, the business that they've done that should do well enough to, to keep them up. But, yeah, nothing too out of the ordinary that we're seeing there in France. The FA Cup is raring to go in the fifth round of the competition, consisting of the final 16 teams. The teams who have qualified for the fifth round of the FA Cup and who will attempt to earn their way into a quarter-final spot are the following. Coventry, Maidstone United, Bournemouth, Leicester City, Blackburn Rovers, Newcastle, Lutontown, Manchester City, Nottingham Forest, Manchester United, Chelsea, Leeds United, Wolves, Brighton, Liverpool, and Southampton. Jay, the magic of the cup continues. How did you enjoy the fourth round of games that just passed us by not too long ago?
1: City scored and won at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm happy. The, the, we could lose every game for the rest of the season. We got that, that we, got, we got that one out of the closet. We're good. I'm so happy.
0: Yeah, no, I could imagine that you are. And uh, we definitely got a lot to look forward to, not just for City, but to the entire uh, fifth round of the FA Cup with these last 16 teams to look forward to, really. And uh, what we're going to do here, G, is we're going to go through each matchup and select our winners right here, right now, on full-time. One of the funnest things that we always get to do on our show. So first, we've got Coventry and Maidstone. This is the matchup 100%. Uh, I'm looking forward to the most. I know you're looking forward to the City game the most, but uh, this is probably like... Yeah, outside, outside
1: of the City game, yeah. yeah. Um, For me, so here's a- the- I'm, 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 I'm going to spoil this. Uh, I'm taking Maidstone all the way until they play City. So, like, yeah, if, if they go into Miracle Run and like up to the final where they play City, I'm taking them every time. Fair just enough. For fun. <laughs> and you know what?
0: I'm going made as well. Uh, I think that this is uh, just sensational. A semi professional club, just, just for context, just so everyone understands that I know we said it last show a semi professional club is competing against 15 other professional teams in a competition that is the oldest in. British football and the most historic cup in England. Like, I don't think that people understand how big that is. Like, you're you're more of a hockey guy than me, even though I played rep hockey and the whole, whole bit growing up. Can you give like an NHL example for some of the folks that might not understand?
1: This would be like, like an E, like not even an ECHL team. Like, I don't even know what's lower than the ECHL. Like, there's <laughs> there really isn't a lot, but that would be like them playing in like the playoffs, yeah. and it's just, you it's just like. And like not just like there for like for fun like oh like let's just throw this like the the Wheeling Nailers they're the only ECHL team I know like it's not like oh let's just throw the Wheeling Nailers in the in the playoffs for fun like right. they've they've beaten like other professional teams to get here like it's it's insane
0: yeah it's it's incredible and uh, I love their last game just and when you say the magic of the cup like it really encapsulated that this didn't... is it this is it yeah and I love when we were texting back and forth like oh my God it happened they did do it unreal. <laughs> So, yeah, I hope that it continues. But we're both going to take Maidstone for that, uh, that first game, which is awesome. And next, we've got Bournemouth and Leicester. G, what do you got?
1: Um, I'm going to take Bournemouth. I don't really know why. Just uh, off of vibe, I think they an okay transfer window. I talked about bringing in as Unal a little earlier. I think they just, yeah, have a little bit more.
0: Fair enough, and they do have a little bit more, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Leicester, having a pretty decent season in the championship, uh, and I think that they could kind of ride that high going into this competition. They'll field their absolute best team that's available to them, so I'll take uh, I'll take Leicester on that one. It'll be Newcastle making a trip to Blackburn. Catano, who wins this contest?
1: Uh, it's kind of boring, but I'm going to go with Newcastle. I just think they're going to have a little too much for Blackburn, um, especially since Blackburn sold. Um, oh, my God, I can't forget. I don't remember the player's name. We talked about it earlier. um yes yeah Uh, coming off that uh they didn't really you know in like we talked about how they were going to use that money like it'd probably be more long-term thing they didn't do anything short-term so yeah i think newcastle's got this one
0: yeah and i'm with you g i'm also going to take newcastle so we agree there just uh, have a little bit too much and newcastle have been having kind of uh i wouldn't say they were having a bad season by any accounts but in comparison to last season certainly not as good um got bounced from the champions league uh Premier League not going maybe to plan but uh, I think this might be the competition that they try and really target.
1: Yeah I think the expectations were really high for their, this season coming in and like unrealistically high for them yeah. so and, I don't, like you said like not a bad season because I think the bar was just set way too high
0: You're right and money can't buy everything like it takes yeah. time Immediately
1: and... it can't, immediately it can't in, exactly. in time, <laughs> given time Yes. Luton Town will play host to
0: your Manchester City Gee it needs no asking but take it away
1: yeah uh i'm gonna take city um we've been to Kenilworth road it's a nightmare to go there like it is not a fun ground to play at um but city still should just have enough to get through this
0: yeah i think so too i'm looking at probably a two or three nil type of game for city um arsenal had a, a very difficult game there earlier this year had to win it on the, the last not kick of the game header of the game from declan rice so yeah, yeah tough place to go to but i'm also taking man city Nottingham Forest, we'll see Manchester United roll into town. Gatano, what happens here?
1: Forest. (laughs) Uh, And, like, not just because I'm anti-United. We talked about them kind of being bipolar this season, like, where you get really good or really bad. Um, I think that they might rise up to this occasion, playing United in the FA Cup, and I think you might see the best of Forest.
0: Fair enough. And... uh... I, I do hope that that happens, but I'm going to have to go the other way just because my gut tells me, so I'm I'm going to take Manchester United. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to see a win at Forest, for Forest, see Manchester United bounce and just the misery continue. It would be just tremendous. Chelsea, welcome Leeds to Stamford Bridge. Gatano, who will advance? Uh,
1: if this had been at Elland Road, I would have went with Leeds, but because it's at Stamford Bridge, I'm going to lean Chelsea.
0: Yeah, I, I have to go with you on that. Um, uh, today or yesterday, I saw it today. I don't know if it happened today or yesterday, but Mauricio Pochettino gave a very, not emotional in the sense that he was crying or anything, but he was giving a, a press conference and he was saying, you cannot expect this team to do what cannot be done for what we are. And he was making his case very, it was a very heartfelt case, I must say that. I do believe that they'll, beat Leeds, but I think yeah, I don't know. Chelsea, if, if they're having a very strange season, but who knows, maybe Mourinho will come in and pick it up after. <laughs> Wolves and Brighton will look to captivate its audience, but who's going to the quarterfinal, Gaetano?
1: This is the one that's kind of stumped me the most, because I can see it going both ways, and the way both teams have played this season, it really could go either way. Um, I do just have a a gut feeling that Wolves is going to squeak this one out
0: yeah I've uh, I've also taken Wolves and you know at the beginning of the season it was interesting because they were losing games by very very narrow margins and this is in the Premier League of course and I thought to myself well, they're not they're not playing bad they're playing okay and by no means are they playing great now but they're playing good football and they've got an identity about them and you know they're I think they're well safe from relegation. they're probably not going to tra- uh, challenge for anything in Europe but I uh, I like the way that Wolves have been playing in Brighton. I'm not sure what's happened there. They they seem to have taken a bit of a dip to your point earlier.
1: Yeah, like they've kind of taken that step back. Um, You know, last season they were challenging for Europe for, you know, almost until the last week of the season. Um, And again, I I think it's one of those kind of the case with Newcastle where it's like the the bar was set super, super high with them that they were expected to challenge again. Like you said, like they haven't played bad. They just haven't played up to the level that we've seen them play. So yeah, I, I just, I think Wolves might just squeak this one out.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Wolves as well. And finally, it is Liverpool and Southampton who will meet up for a clash at Anfield. Gee, what are you saying? Uh,
1: I don't want to say it, but I think it's going to be Liverpool. Um, you know, at Anfield, after the Klopp announcement, like I think it's just inevitable at this point that they kind of go on a run in at least one of the Cups. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to comfortably beat Southampton here.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And I'm also taking Liverpool, uh, Europe well not European excuse me it's a cup game uh, or a a cup competition I should say excuse me to to move on in the competition Um, yeah at Liverpool at at Anfield tough place Um, I think it's going to be Liverpool to go through especially with all the Klopp stuff going on they got to try and win something for them and I do believe that they'll probably win the Carabao Cup which we'll talk about next episode but uh, yeah I think that'll be Liverpool as well A reminder to our listeners that the fifth round of the FA Cup will commence on Monday, February 26th, and it will conclude on Wednesday, February 28th. All eight games will kick off at either 2.45 p.m. or 3 p.m. Eastern time, and all games can be watched on your local television sports network. Katana, we really only have two disagreements here. Uh, We both think that Maidstone are going to get it done. You think it's going to be Bournemouth. I think it's going to be Leicester. We're both taking Newcastle. We're both taking your Manchester City. You're going to take Forest. I'm going to take United. We both think Chelsea. We both think Wolves. We both think Liverpool. So uh, we'll be able to update our listeners, not next episode, but the episode after as to how all of this went down. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time. As we wrap up today's show, we want to thank you all for being with us. Your support is unwavering. Gee, my brother, well done this evening.
1: Matt, like a phenomenal episode. I love talking about the transfers. I'm so excited for the cup competitions coming up. Uh, I got to rep my world champions bag for the first time, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, it was a pleasure, Scarps. Thank you.
0: Always is, and I'm glad that you got to rep that and deservedly <laughs> right, so.
1: A reminder to our listeners that
0: the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of February 19th, 2024. In that show, we will preview the Carabao Cup final. We will discuss Europe's Big Five, and we will take a look at the first leg of games in the Champions League round of 16. So excited for that. As always, we will keep everyone in the loop with all of the happenings in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Podcast and 91N on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. For Gatano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time, back here on the Game Sports Podcast and 91N. Best always.